When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello Australia, Glenn James here. Welcome to My Millennial Money and today I'm with John Pigeon and we are doing the great Aussie debate. It's mm-hmm. not Aussie rules versus NRL, it's not cricket versus something else. <laughs> it's not beer versus wine, it's not, you know, country versus city. Mm. It's much bigger than it, all those. It's much bigger than all those and today we are debating property Versus shares. So we haven't done this uh, little debate for a couple of years now. So I thought we would bring it back out. John, you'll be representing property. Yes. And I'm going to take one for the shares team and step up and represent shares. You are in so, the red corner. In the red corner. Now, a couple of ground rules before we get into it. I want to both discuss firstly what's our property reference point. So when you talk about property, are you talking about uh, Australian residential property. Yes. I, so, okay, so you're not talking about industrial or commercial investments? No. Now, within Australian residential property, are you talking about units, uh, townhouses, or freehold property? Those big boys, the houses. Okay. Mm, freehold. Freehold property. Yep. So, when John talks about property, he's only talking about residential Australian property that's a freehold property, house, and land. Correct. Okay. Mm. Awesome. It's good. To, it's just good to get these ground It rules. is. Yeah, and I, I don't think we established those when we uh, way back when. No, well, we're a lot more refined these days, John. Yes. And on your side of the, the fence, what uh, are you including everything or are you going I'm actually, narrow? Uh, I'm going to, when I talk about property, I'll be talking about a diversified portfolio of shares. So not necessarily like one share in when CBA. You, when you talk about shares. Yeah, when I talk about shares, yeah. I'm talking about a basket of shares because a lot of us invest in a diversified portfolio. Right. So, that's where I'll be talking. Okay. So, so apples versus bananas. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you don't want me to do that? Look, I, I would uh, pre-frame this by saying residential property versus traditional shares, top ASX listed over the journey, yeah, are pretty equal. Okay, that's what you can save that for your opening comments. Um, no, but that's just generally speaking. Yes, like that's my thoughts. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but are you happy with my reference point? Because I think you you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when you messaged me yesterday, because mm. I was quite busy, as you could see. What in lockdown? Yes. Flat out. Okay, mate. Sunday in a lockdown, yeah, he's flat out. Okay, go Olympics on. and all. Yeah. Um, I I thought to myself, right, residential property, houses, own title versus top 200 ASX. Okay, okay, that's fine. Will you let me then, uh, as my talking point, yep. the only diversified fund that we use is like a top 200 share fund? Sure. Okay, so you can still you, concede. You've, you've averaged across the 200? Well... 
not only that, it could be <clears throat> instead of a diversified portfolio of shares with international, but I think you're right. Let's keep it to Australian shares. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't mind, John, if you want me to talk about a single asset or yeah. a single share, yes, that's fine. But if you're saying top 200, I'd still like to use diversified because most people, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, I'm using average stats as well across okay. Australia. So, sure. you can use that average across the 200. That's okay. cool. No worries. Yeah. I don't want to get the boxing gloves on too early. No, that's fine. And if you're new to the podcast, John and I, uh, we're reasonable friends, I'll say, <laughs> and that might change after today. But uh, all this is in good fun. Uh, I've, I've already started the psychological games. I sent him the text this morning. Are you ready for the smackdown? Yes. Um, so, this is what's going to happen this time, John. Uh, you'll have one minute to do opening statements. Mm. Then I'll have one minute, but we'll actually flip a coin to see who goes first. Yeah. Uh, actually, the coin flip will decide whether you want to go first if you win. Yes. Or whether I want to go first. Then uh, we've each got five points to deliver on the advantages of our asset class. Mm -hmm. Now, you will have two minutes to deliver your single point and the other opposing side will have one minute response. Right. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and just for reference, I'm getting these rules right now. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, I'm happy to press stop no. if you need 10 minutes. No, to... no. I'm, I'm cool with this. No? All yeah. right. Sweet. Yeah. Toss no the coin. Uh, yeah. So, are you, how does this work? You flip it and I choose or do I flip yeah. it and you choose? As I as I as it goes in the air, you say the big H or T. Okay, and then are you going to put it on the table? No, I'm just going to let it land, and as it lands, whatever yep. it lands okay. on. Okay, yep. go. Hope, hopefully, it doesn't land on its okay. side. Tails. Okay, it's a head. Ooh. So, John, would you like to go first, or would you like me to? I'd like you to lead this uh, debate, Glenn. All right. There we have it. Well, guys, a bit of a, a longer intro for the episode, but are you ready, John? Let's do this. All right. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get my timer. And to be honest, John, you say that you've only just heard about the rules. I just thought of the opening statement, so I haven't even prepared one myself. So Good. That's why so, I like it. So, let's... Uh, mm. Do this. I will say I'm probably at a disadvantage because I'm the scorekeeper, like the timekeeper. Sorry. <laughs> John, do, do you want to score it? Uh, time each other. No, no, that's fine. We need the one reference point. <laughs> um, Most of the listeners have already made up their mind before they're sure. Heard us. Okay, mate. All right, three, two, one. My opening statement starts now. So as we go through this uh, debate, you will hear the other corner talk in big, bold statements. You'll hear. John represent property uh, in absolute terms. He won't get into the weeds. He won't get into the, he won't get into the details. He won't um, look at the nuance. He'll make uh, grand big calls, assuming that his asset class is right for everybody. But anyway, but anyway, enough about um, him. <laughs> shares. Why you need to invest in shares? Well, my friends, they're flexible. Uh, you've got liquidity. Uh, you've got minimum holding costs. And I think you'll find over the longer term, as you alluded to earlier, John, the returns are pretty similar. So why would you risk it all and not spread your eggs across many baskets? Why would you carry the risk of the debt behind those shares if you can... Those debt... <laughs> can we edit the one minute? <laughs> all right. 
I'm up. Very good. All right. And that's, um, nice. I, that's uh, interesting. Uh, mm. And I, it's probably important that Nath doesn't actually edit this podcast. No, it's very important. We, we need the time uh, because I misspoke mm. then. Yeah, the minute, minute went quick, didn't it? It did. It mm. did. So are you ready for your opening statements, John? Mm. Three, two, one, go. Well, my opening statement, um, I can waste 10 seconds of it really because it's not really going to matter. <laughs> Essentially, when Glenn came into the office this morning, he conceded that uh, he's really, property is his choice and, and he's just batting for the shares um, side of things just to create a, an argument basically. So I'm speaking and you're about to speak into my minute, which is a fine. Um, but look, property's got... Uh, where, where do I start? Where do I finish? The, the, you can leverage on it to the to the cows come home. The banks love what property does, and uh, they're so comfortable with us that they'll almost lend 100% of the money on it. So to me, it's an absolute no-brainer for future wealth creation for anyone, no matter what size or um, age. You can get into it to create your long-term wealth far better than you can shares. So, John, I, I just actually want to say uh, you're a bit out of line there lying to listeners. When I walked in today, when you said, oh, what, you know, off the record, what do you think? Yeah. I, I said both. Well, but it was, a, it was definite leaning towards, well, if I have to back up and, and bounce for shares, I will. No, I, I didn't see it that way. Mm. I, I That's actually, why I interpret yeah. it. And actually, before we get into the actual debate, now mm. that that joke of opening statements are finished, yes. uh, mine included, <laughs> um, do you want to, any disclosures? Because I think it is important to have disclosures. So, I personally own investment properties, but I also personally own shares. Yes. Uh, the investment properties that yeah. I own have some debt behind them. Mm. And the shares that I own uh, do not have any debt attached to them. Yes. Uh, yeah. So totally. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm the same. When I first started, other than a, a mob of sheep, um, shares were my first investment. Mm. Um, and they've they've actually been my last investment to date. Uh, okay. But majority of my portfolio is mm. towards property. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just really want to – I didn't appreciate your uh, your view when I, I walked in and you said that um, I was pro-property because I was very clear where I say I like both. Okay. I apologise on, on the air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my first point is starting now. So my first point in why I believe shares are a superior investment to property is accessibility. Now, I say accessibility because – Anyone who's listening to this podcast right now, realistically, no matter how much money you've got or you don't have, even if you've got an extra $5, John, you can insert that $5 into investment markets. Now, we've got um, apps such as Raise, such as Spaceship. Uh, we've got Vanguard Personal Investor. If you wanted to even wait till you get $500, the accessibility is there and you really don't have that accessibility to get into an investment if you are waiting on a property because with property, you'll have to save up potentially thousands of thousands of dollars and potentially you could have to wait years and years to save up to make your first investment into property. Now, I know you'll say, oh, well, you can look at parental guarantees and whatnot, but don't listen to him, everyone. When <laughs> John, save your laughing to the end, you're wasting valuable time. 
because it's very rare that someone would get a parental guarantee for an actual investment property. It's more likely to happen for a home occupier. So ignore the hype from the property side. Property is not accessible for any age with any income and any amount of money. You could be up to your eyeballs in debt, not that I'm recommending this, but you can invest tomorrow five, $10 into equities, into shares, namely Australian shares, ASX top 200 companies. It's accessible. You can get that today. I don't even need mine in the last 20 seconds. Yeah, no, that's a fair first I'll, point. Hang on. I'll, uh, I'll give you, John, your up to one minute uh, rebuttal to my point on accessibility. Go. Mm. Yeah, and that's great. It, you're right. There is a, a beautiful accessibility to buy into shares at any level. Um, however, if, you, if you're putting $5 into shares and, and they get the awesome return of 7% that's been the average across the last 100 years, give or take, then um, the 7% on $5, I'm no mathematician, but you, you're better off just keeping it into the bank um, as opposed to just saying I'm a, I'm a share investor now because I've put $5 down. Do you want to use the last 20 seconds? No. Okay. Can I use part of your 20 seconds? <laughs> no, you can't. To rebut your rebuttal? <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to reset it two minutes and I'm going to go to my second point and we're starting now. My second point, uh, why shares are actually a better investment than property, and that is transaction costs slash tax. Now, I say slash tax because the stamp duty when you go into a property is a tax. You have to have more amounts of money to transact on property. You want to go and buy a property, you're going to have a high transaction cost stamp duty. Potentially, if you want to get in there and leverage uh, till the cows come home, quote, un. Uh, unquote John Pigeon, uh, you will have to leverage more because you'll need to borrow the stamp duty. And if you don't have uh, the extra money, you will have to pay lender's mortgage insurance on that property to get the mortgage. So that's just another transaction cost. Another transaction cost is land tax. You get to your uh, state-based threshold of land tax, again, another transaction cost of holding property. Uh, when you sell property, like you do with shares, uh, there's actually capital gains tax, which is fine. That's there with shares. And I know I'm using most of this time to chat on property, but everything I say to do here, it's not the same with shares, even if you, um, uh, unless you include the uh, exit cost of uh, stamp duty. So remember, Property is the only asset class in Australia that you buy where you're taxed on the way in, you're taxed during, you're taxed on the way out. With shares, you're not taxed on the way in. There's a small brokerage cost in some instances on the way in. You're not taxed during. There's no share tax, uh, but you actually are taxed on the way out uh, if you do decide to sell. So, ladies and gentlemen, in finishing my two minutes, I am saying shares have a very low transaction cost coupled with my first point accessibility, uh, it is really the perfect storm to get investing today. And I'll press stop at uh, five seconds there. Uh, I'll start your rebuttal now, John. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, they are very low cost to get into shares. And that's for, I hope they would, to, because if the, the costs weren't so low, no one would be doing it. If the costs were as high as they were to invest in property, when they look at one versus the other, they'd say, no. Nah. I'm, I'm not going anywhere near the shares. Um, I can buy a home to live in and I can live in it for five years and sell capital gains tax-free, take my 500 grand or whatever I've made in that time because of uh, 
living in that property. I can't go and live in a share. Are you done? That's me. Okay, I'm just going to stop there. I, I will say, I think you're conflating the term uh, with living owner-occupied and as an investment asset. Yeah, I said living in it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And are we happy to, to uh, conflate the two terms? Yeah, I didn't talk about an investment property. I, spoke, I said I can live in my property. That's right. But I thought we were talking about residential property as an investment class. Yes, but you were talking about the transaction costs of property and how we're taxed. And I just said, well, I can actually live in my home and I don't need to That's pay right. capital gains tax. If we had an adjudicator here, yes. they would say you really can't conflate the property investment and live in it because then it's not an investment property. So you're, you're cutting off that part of property. It's just pure investment property, is it? Yeah. Wow. This has gone to another level. Oh, unless, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. Because pr- property, you can, you can live in it. That's right. Right. Or you can rent it out. So surely those two choices have got to be kept on the table for the purpose of the debate. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we'll move on to my third point because I, I think to really keep um, as apples as apples or whatever as possible, yes, we can't conflate the tool uh, the two as you know. Hmm. But um, surely a, a positive of having property is that you can live in it. That's right. But as an investment class, property as an investment asset. Mm. If you wanted to buy one in your self-managed super fund as an investment asset, well, you, can't can't, you can't live in it anyway. No, So, right. it's, it's after the fact of living in it. Mm. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Take that for what you will for you. I'm happy to be wrong as usual. <laughs> uh, we could cut the air with the knife. <laughs> All right, my third point starts now. My third point, ladies and gentlemen, is diversification and risk. Number one rule in any investment seminar is diversification. If I'm buying my share into an ASX 200 managed fund or ETF, we know for every dollar that I put in, every $1,000 I put in, it is spread over 200 different companies. Now, you, my friends, can't tell me that buying one single investment property, one single residential property is less risk from a diversification point of view than buying 200 properties. The thing is, because of the accessibility, the transaction costs, you can't just go and buy. Do you like how I'm building my three points? into? <laughs> you can't just go and buy 200 properties yeah. for the reasons I've stated before, but I can go with one transaction, spread my risk, have my diversification, my basic rules of investing mm. uh, in one transaction across 200 companies. My friends, that is low risk to me. Should I buy one single property or 200 different companies? I know what I'm buying and I know what's more risky. And my friends, it is not the basket of one property. There is just too much risk when you are tying up your money with investment properties because not only is it a lot of money to get into it, you can potentially exacerbate that risk with leverage and have the negative consequences because you've got the debt behind that property. So, my friends, choose once, choose right, choose shares. 
I don't even need the last 15 seconds. All right, I'll give you a one-minute rebuttal now. Right. Oh, okay. stands up. <laughs> I've got to get the breathing Get up. the energy. <laughs> so thank God you've got the ability to diversify across 200 because you wouldn't want to just buy one in company because it's just too volatile. So that's why they give you that ability to diversify across those. You buy one property and it performs for you day in, day out, consistently over time, and you let it do its thing. So the diversification, yes, you've still got diversification in property because you can, you can decide which street you buy on, which town, anywhere around the country, across all the states, the beautiful parts of Australia, and you can get diversification uh, as much as you want within property. Shares, same thing, but very volatile. Do we really understand what we're buying into or we just scattergun approach across 200 companies that we don't really know much about? Do I get a rebuttal on the one minute? Have I already asked that? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're my rules. All right, moving to my fourth point and starting now. Uh, my fourth point is liquidity. Now, with investing, this is a very, very important thing that builds on the, the risk side of it in my third point. We need to know that if our situation changes, if our circumstances changes, uh, if our circumstances change or we need to draw down on any of our capital, we can easily do that because the investments that we've uh, invested in are actually quite liquid and there has been no time that I can think of, John, in all of history where I could not sell a parcel of shares in a diversified fund of the top 200 Australian shares. Now, liquidity is important. Uh, number one, if our situation changes and we need to down to sell down some shares for whatever reason, notwithstanding uh, if you do have an emergency fund, you certainly want to do that first. But liquidity is so important. And I, I just can't fathom uh, why I would want to tie up all my eggs into one basket that I can't actually sell down if I need to because I don't choose when I get to sell that. The market chooses when I get to sell that. If I need to sell down uh, a third of my investment portfolio, I can do that with shares. I can't sell down a third of a direct property. So when you are investing, we need to remember the golden rules. Diversification risk in my third point, but my fourth point equally is important. Liquidity and my friend's history do not uh, history does not lie. And I'd welcome John's rebuttal to this. Mm. And your time starts now. <laughs> so liquidity, extremely important, but liquidity is, uh, is created in a, a number of forms. You can sit money in an offset account against your investment property and have that fl funds fluid and liquid as much as you like in your life. Usually if you want to sell down on shares because of the beautiful liquidity of shares, as you say, uh, it's probably because they're underperforming you need to get your money out to go and buy a real asset, which is property. Most people I speak to, they're just um, selling down their shares to buy their home that they know is going to serve them well over the next 20 or 30 years. Shares were like the the reserves or the under-18s game before the seniors. So they, they start in that little um, boy's space and then they go to a grown-up game called uh, property and that's when they buy their big stuff. All right, I'll stop that with two seconds to go. 
Okay, I've made some points of your rebuttals. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, they just seem a bit weak to me. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how an offset account's got anything to do with uh, investing in property because I might be buying my property without debt. You don't get a rebuttal to my rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to rebut my rebuttal of your rebuttal. <laughs> All right. Number five. Here we go now. One of the biggest uh, down, uh, pitfalls to investing in direct property, it's actually the ownership structure and flexibility. Now, when I have direct shares, I can easily choose to invest uh, in direct shares uh, in my own name. Awesome. I can easily choose to invest in direct shares in my superannuation. Awesome. I can easily choose to invest in direct shares uh, in a company. Awesome. I can easily choose to invest in direct shares in an investment bond. Awesome. I want the ownership structure flexibility for my wealth planning, my estate planning, and my tax planning. Most of the time when it comes to investing in property, uh, there's two broad ownership structures that people use, and that's their name or joint with a spouse or partner. And I just think that gives you a huge amount of restriction and limitations with your future wealth planning. Sure, he's going to say that you can buy shares, sorry, uh, he's going to say you can buy properties in a self-managed super fund. Awesome, you can. Uh, huge barrier to entry. Need I go back to point one and two about accessibility and transaction cost. He's going to say, sure, you can own shares in a company or trust. Awesome. Uh, you'll forgo your land tax thresholds from day one. He's going to say, "Oh, you can buy your share. Uh, you can buy your property in an investment bond." Well, you can't because the products aren't available. So, I want you to know, everyone. Uh, shares gives you the greatest ownership structure and flexibility to do with tax planning and estate planning. And I would welcome John's rebuttal mm. uh, as we go right now. And I don't even need my full t t uh, two minutes. All right, your rebuttal starts now. Okay, so. You can buy property in your personal name, correct? You can buy it in a company. You can buy it in a trust structure. And whilst you might not get your tax benefits uh, during that phase, you can definitely receive them when you sell. Last time I checked with an accountant. So there's no real disadvantage there in the, in the long run. You can buy in your self-managed super fund. Yes, it may be harder, but you're still able to do that and uh, capture the benefits there. So majority of people in Australia... Uh, no hard statistics on that, would buy uh, shares in their personal name anyway. So they don't really need much more flexibility as to the buying entity full stop. Um, and we all know that buying in our personal name gives us the maximum tax benefits. So there's really nothing more that we need to, um, to look at in respect to buying entity flexibility, Glenn. All right, John, we might uh, take a quick break and we'll come back with John's five points of the advantages of property. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Okay, we're back, John. How are you feeling? You um, you shaking your boots over there? Yep, they are shaking no with worries. excitement. Oh, here we go. Well, we'll go to your first point, and we're starting now. So it's no longer M three, 
my millennial money. It's maximise making money through property. All right? <laughs> now, we're going to do that because the banks are saying we're going to allow you to lend up to 95% of its value. So we won't have the ability to do that in shares, maybe up to 70% at its max, but even then it's risky. And then they say if it's not performing, we're going to create a margin call. So they don't have the faith and the confidence in such an asset like they do property. They don't give us a margin call, Glenn. They just say, lend the money, uh, get the income from it. As long as you're paying, you're uh, left to your own devices. Do you need your other minute? And what was your actual point? I'll give point? you the example. Well, the bank's leveraged to the, to the highest uh, amount of any asset class in the world. So I can put in 100 grand and buy a million dollar property with a 10% deposit. I can buy a $500,000 property with 100 grand as well. And with shares, I put in my 100 grand, I have $100,000 worth of shares. You, you done? Okay. You had 30 seconds left. All right, I'll start my rebuttal now. Oh, can I just for clarity, because I want to actually write down, my first point was accessibility. What was your first point, if you had one word? Because I was a bit confused. Banks. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, I, I just want to know, because I'm going to get Jess to turn this into an Instagram carousel, so... Right. So, well, if you want... I didn't get that um, news before the... No, neither. I just thought of it then. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> Two can play this game, John. All right, I'm going to start my rebuttal now. Uh, a, a couple of uh, actually, well, factual incorrect, factually incorrect points. Uh, John isn't up to speed with the latest and greatest things in personal finance. There's actually a product called the NAB Equity Builder where you can lend or borrow with an LVR of 75% and there's actually no margin calls and the interest rates are pretty competitive. So, uh, we'll just throw that comment that um, you can only borrow and have leverage into shares uh, with the, the risk of a margin call. So, that's factually incorrect, John. Uh, the second, you made the point it's more risky. Uh, I would dispute that that uh, buying 200 different companies is more risky than buying one single property. Uh, the fact that um, the banks can uh, have 95% of the value, and you said in your opening statement, leverage till the cows come home. Are you saying leverage is good? Because most people who get flushed down the drain with property, it's because the situation changes and the... Uh, 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 uh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Now your second point starts now, John. So the second one... With property, you can just set and forget and get back on with your life. So you don't need to worry about the, the stresses, what's going up, what's going down, what's green, what's red on a daily basis. You can just uh, simply say, look, I've bought the property, the rent's coming in and uh, I'm, I check back in every 12 months and, uh, and continue on the journey. So it's uh, stress-free, it's quite easy to, to manage there's no dramas around uh, looking at the fluctuations and uh, just on the margin call, I was talk referring to individual stocks on that, so as I am individual properties. Okay. You've still got a minute. Did you oh. want to keep ranting on your set and forget strategy, however that is? Because people in this world want to keep it simple. 
they don't want to be stressing on a daily basis. There's enough stress in people's life. So when uh, when they when they buy property, they know it's comfortable. They can just let it do its thing and uh, get on with their life. Do you want to forego the rest of your time? No. You done? Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll start my rebuttal now. Set and forget. Uh, and excuse me, everyone, I, I couldn't help myself. I was almost laughing to death. Um, I own residential investment properties. Uh, set and forget strategy. Uh, I get the phone call. Um, the tenant in the back, they've had visitors. They've got a van in the driveway. It's spilt paint everywhere. They're not cleaning it up. Drama for me. I've had to organ- like organize the cleaner and work that out. Uh, dishwasher in the current investment property. Have to do that. Tenants moving out. If that's set and forget, spank me sideways because there's nothing setty and forgetty about uh, that type of spaghetti. Uh, you also said keep it simple. I don't think there's an easy way to keep your investing simple than to pump a ASX fund every month. They don't call and say the dishwasher's broken. They don't call to say the Darrow's have spilt paint all over the driveway. If there is a set and forget strategy, my friend, it is not property and uh, I believe it shares. All right. You like that little rebuttal? It's good. <laughs> all right, your third point, John, now. So my third point, before I go on to the third point, is you must have bought crappy properties if you're having so many dramas um, with dishwashers and spilled paint and choosing the wrong tenants and everything else. But in any case, my third point is we can see it, we can touch it, we can feel it, we can understand it, we can live it and we can breathe it. It's, uh, it's not something that we know nothing about like uh, generally shares are. We don't understand the companies, the board of directors, all those sort of things that's happening in the background. We just don't see it. Uh, whereas with property, we can drive past it, we can see what's happening, we see if the tenants mow their lawns, etc., etc. When we look at property, we can buy it anywhere in the country, we can fly to see it, we can uh, understand the, the numbers involved, we can drive up the street, we can talk to the locals, and everyone's comfortable with that purchase. All right, you don't need your extra minute? No. Okay, sweet. Can I have it for my rebuttal? <laughs> All right, my rebuttal starts now. Again, he's fallen for the um, the poison of the chaliced fallacy, whatever that saying is. See it and touch it. Well, my friends, I would ask John, when did he last go to Woolworths? When did he last go to Coles? When did he last purchase something at JV Hi-Fi? When did he last get a freaking loan from a CBA or the top four banks? When did he last uh, pay for his health insurance? When did he last get the AstraZeneca vac? Have you had yours yet? Anyway, uh, <laughs> CSL, they make the AstraZeneca in Australia. If you believe that you can't see, touch and feel shares... There's an educational issue. I'm having a go at John, not everyone who's not educated. Uh, you just don't understand. You categorically would believe that Woolworths isn't a viable company, that Coles isn't a viable company, and the top 200 shares on the Australian market are not a viable uh, option in terms of investment. They are real companies. They exist. You can see them. You can touch them. You can feel them. Your fourth point. You didn't comment there. You're an anti-vaxxer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the rules were stated. Have my two minutes started? Uh, right now. The rules were stated that I, we weren't allowed to talk okay. in the rebuttal period. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my next one is the mental satisfaction from 
owning an asset such as a beautiful property. We can uh, we can open the doors and walk in and say, oh, might put a lick of paint on that. I'm a bit stressed out, so I might actually calm the nerves by uh, doing some little gardening in the backyard. I can uh, I cannot do that with shares. There's no mental satisfaction in in my life. Um, there's no feel good about buying a share and just uh, letting it do its thing and and um, selling our soul to the multinationals. We can actually go in into our nice little property and we can de-stress. Our, um, our kitchens can be redone. We like those reno projects. We, we wash the block and then we get some inspiration from it. We can do what we want to our little asset on our little title in our little suburb. We cannot do that with another asset class such as shares. You got 50 seconds if you want them. No, I don't need them. Okay. <laughs> All right. My one minute rebuttal starts now. You know, de-stress, uh, satisfaction, feel good. He's clutching at straws with his uh, with his fifth point there. Now, it kind of goes uh, counterintuitive to set and forget. Um, if you do want to feel good by giving uh, the walls in your investment property a lick of paint, well... I think you need to get something else to do. The best feel-good feeling and the best thing you can do with de-stressing is invest in your shares and go to the beach, go to the dam, go to the bush and exercise without having to worry about your uh, without with your physical asset. Uh, my rebuttal is kind of weak because I think your whole point's a bit weak. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, are you right to um, – so that was your fifth point, was it? <laughs> that was my fourth. Oh, mental satisfaction. Okay, sweet. Sorry. I did write that down. All right, your fifth point starts now. So my fifth point is the gentle reminder that in the last two years through COVID, Sydney and Melbourne have produced thousands and thousands of new millionaires while shares are generally recovering from the dip, the massive dip that they had through that volatile period. So COVID, yes, stressful time for everyone in the world and, and still is to this day, but property just kept humming along and actually exceeded everyone's expectations except mine. So the leveraging effect of getting into property was just compiled by the fact that a million-dollar property was now worth $2 million and there's new millionaires in the world sitting around doing not much for that new million dollars other than the fact that they'd bought that beautiful asset of property years before. you got 55 seconds. So that leverage that I come back to is just so powerful. And when M3s change their name to maximise making money through property... It's because that that $100,000 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago has just allowed them to, to motor their wealth. And this is what it's all about for most people is how much money am I going to make at the end of the day? I've made a million dollars through COVID versus I bought some shares and it's recovered back to where it was and then a little bit as opposed to million dollars. No. Ladies and gentlemen... You make the dis choice. <laughs> is it property? Is it shares? And all I can say is that COVID doesn't lie.
the performance through volatile periods, which one's standing up better? Ladies and gentlemen, I've just started my rebuttal. The gentle reminder uh, that John mentioned, uh, I think he was giving us a gentle reminder about the extreme wealth inequality, uh, particularly around Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, That's all good, but what if I live in Perth? What if I live in Hobart? What if I live in Adelaide? And what if I didn't have the money to buy into Sydney five or six years ago? This is the problem. Uh, Years ago, my old man, he could have bought a a block of land uh, on Wyong River, South Tacoma. It was $100,000 house and big block and the real estate agent said um, no it was just a block and the real estate agent said it's only $100,000 my dad said it doesn't matter I still don't have the money and it's a fun thing that you you talk there about um, you know maximizing that money but you've got to have the money to start with to get into the property and it's an insult to a lot of our listeners John to say that they could have made a million dollars So, what we might do now... That was a good way of getting the listeners on side, (laughs) by just making my point, Phil. (laughs) Now, I think what I didn't say at the start, John, we need to do uh, maybe some closing arguments. Right. Do you want... Would you like to go first uh, for the rebuttal? And how long would you like? Do you think a three-minute rebuttal each? Why don't we just have a conversation around it? All right, let's let's do that. Because it's clear that we've both got valid points. Sure, we do. Um, I, I guess my rebuttal mm. would have been uh, a lot of broad statements. Yeah. You know, oh, you could have made a million dollars. Oh, you, you know, set and forget. You know, they're just, they don't exist and it's so hard to buy property and Maybe it is a thing. It's like, yeah, you do want property, but why not invest in shares mm. with your savings to then, if you decide to buy a property? Yes, um, no doubt about that. It's it is a nice little stepping stone to buy the the big assets, which are property. Mm. Yeah, but I I fundamentally think I've really, and this is goes to the the personal feeling, and you know, you hear these stories about people with you know, $20 million portfolio of property, Mm. they never say what level of debt they've got behind. Mm. So they're running this house of cards cash income model and literally you're one huge economic crisis away from getting flushed. Mm. Well, history doesn't really show that though. A lot of people got done in the GFC. not, Not to the point that shares did. But you're only saying the point that shares did if you actually sold the shares. But if you understood how the portfolios work and understood that through the GFC, uh, Woolworth is still a viable company Mm. and I know I own a share in it and the face value of the share price at that day doesn't actually reflect the underlying value and it's still paying dividends and all that stuff. Yeah, as Uh, are those properties. That's right. But the problem is with the property side, the loans still need to be serviced Mm. and if there was a squeeze and you didn't have income to pay back or there was not a tenant in there and you are running on the line with your cash flow, Mm. I think the whole property strategy thing, uh, it's way too risky than most people realise. Yeah, and that's obviously on the way in 
understanding your numbers, which people mm. get wrong. Mm. So if you've granted that you have the cash flow and you can take some rental vacancies and you forecast that in, uh, you don't you don't get that dip in prices, generally speaking, that, that have occurred through GFC and COVID and those type of um, downturns to be able to see yourself through and not have to sell. Um, but you don't get the, the massive dip in prices either. Yeah, and I think, you know, people might be thinking, oh, you didn't talk about um, returns. Um, I'm having a look here. The Beta Shares website actually has some returns. 20 years to December 2017, uh, Australian shares um, did 8.8% and residential investment property did 8.9%. So that's on the after-tax lowest marginal tax rate. Um, the top marginal tax rate, uh, property did 7.6 and shares did 6.7. And I probably would say that's just your depreciation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you look at like 2014, for example, mm. how um, houses did 8.5, the ASX 200, 1.1. Yeah, but this is a, also a fallacy where you can't look at any growth assets for one year. No, and and this this debate's going to continue forever and a day mm. uh, because you, my 8.5% versus your 8.5%, if I've leveraged 30 or 40, 50%, that 8.5% is potentially add another zero onto it. Yeah, but you've got to adjust for risk with the returns. So it's a risk-adjusted risk return which a lot of these comparisons don't factor in. No, but they. W- what is the risk? Because I ask, ask people in property, mm. debate aside, what's the worst that can happen? Um, you buy in a crap place, mm-hmm. and so it's a dog of a location, mm-hmm. so you get no capital growth mm-hmm. and low, a high vacancy rate, which if your strategy is um, a high leverage strategy, that's going to send you undone. So if you know your cash flow on the way in and you've factored in the vacancies and you've got a little bit of nous to understand what areas to avoid in terms of one industry, towns, etc., the risk in property is pretty minimal. That's right. And I think totally agree, and this is why your you know, expertise does help a lot of our listeners, but the thing is, Anyone can just rock up tomorrow and buy an ASX A200 beta shares yep. fund. Anyone can rock up and buy, uh, you know, Australian share fund with Vanguard. Mm. You can't wreck it. No, because you own it outright. Well, no, because it's the same 200 shares that is an index fund. You just put money in. You can't wreck it. But an individual can wreck their property choice mm. because it's individual stock. It's individual suburb. It's... Um, mm. lending, like whether someone's got to pay higher interest rate, like there's a lot more to go wrong with property investing. Mm. And how many times do we know people, they'll buy a house, no strategy, then have to sell it. And yeah. the five years that they own the house or yeah. the property, you do the autopsy and it's cost them 30 grand. Mm. Yeah. No, there's, there's greater risk, greater reward, basically, because of the leveraging component puts a risk um, higher than normal to it. But mm. Yeah, it always gives the, you a greater outcome. Possibly. Um, it's Well, not possibly. Like if you if you have an LVR of 80%, mm. 
on a on that hundred k example that I gave, five hundred k asset goes up a by ten percent. That's fifty grand mm. versus a hundred grand in shares. That eight percent. That's eight grand. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, eight grand. Yeah, the the whole thing is you've got to factor in the borrowing costs as well. Yeah, so it might have cost X amount. Mm. But also you've carried the risk as well. Correct, but um, that's what we're saying is mm. if you mitigate that risk on the way in, mm. then your upside's pretty attractive. Like, you know, I've got three properties, right? I'm, I think I'm pretty much done with properties. Sounds like it. Yeah, like <laughs> I might buy that block of land up the road, but I mean... I just, I'm done with it. Just for reference, peoples. Yeah. When someone comes onto our podcast, talks property, or we have a personal catch up with someone relating to property and there's an investment, Glenn's like, do you reckon I should get one of those, John? Yeah. I've got FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I need to sleep on my decisions. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I like uh, investing in property, investing in shares like the next person. Mm. And I think what we've actually distilled today that everything you do in personal finance, it goes back to what are your goals, what is your personal uh, circumstance, what is your personal risk appetite, what do you understand Mm. and what are you comfortable with and can you sleep at night? Yes, that's right. And if you tick all those boxes and then you pull the trigger on a property or a share portfolio, well, commit to it Yeah, and don't sell it tomorrow and... Yeah, no, and, and I don't think you're right. It's over and above all of this is like also what interests you. Like yeah. if you've got an interest in shares, knock yourself out. If mm. you've got – if you think property is going to make you the most money, which probably will, but you then <laughs> – Hey, the you, debate's over, mate. <laughs> oh, sorry. But you know nothing about it, then I'd say don't do it. Mm. And this is the whole thing. Like you can't fall into the trap – that a higher return is a better return. No. Because there can be extra risks involved. Mm. And, you know, that's why really both of us didn't lead with a a return figure because it's, you know, you work out everything else and then you take the return you get that you've worked out everything else. Yeah. Like if if the thing was Bitcoin has the highest return, we're not just going to go and move 120% of your money into Mm. Bitcoin Mm. Because there's just way too much risk, yeah. and you wouldn't do that. So yeah, yeah. No, it's um, and and we didn't go into any high risk investments in their own class. No. We just spoke about. Mm. Yeah, and I, I will say, um, it made sense to me that you can't conflate living in the property and just as an investment. Because yeah, when yeah. you pull the rug from under <laughs> me, there, like that was, uh, I. I it's fair to say I got ambushed today. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, but, you know, if you're confident, it wouldn't have mattered and it didn't because you're confident, right? Well, yeah, but that is pros. And, I'd like to go back to that other okay. episode and just have see a listen. what yeah. – because uh, that was one of my biggest ones. Really? Well, it is. Like when you fa- – like everyone needs a roof over their head to either live in and own or to – survive through yeah. renting. Yeah, right? absolutely, which makes it a good um, investment class. But I'm saying under the guise of our episode today, we're just assuming that, you know, you've got a 100 grand or 10 grand or whatever mm. and you just 
renting or whatever you're doing, buying an investment property. As an investment. As an yes. investment. Yeah. So, and that's why we said at the start, like a, a residential investment property. Mm. Yep. No, that's... And um, that's why like half the bloody builders that are listening, you know, they do all their, you know, they get all their money because they renovate a place, mm. live in it, bury all the costs through their business. Yeah. And then, all right, I'll sell that, no capital gains tax and rinse and repeat, allegedly. Poor <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> builders. Um you know, mm. that's on them and they can do whatever they want. But, um, you know, purely as an investment class, that builder technically doesn't have that latitude if they wanted to invest in a property, cl- uh, any real property on the other side of the country. No. So. No, that's right. Mm. Yeah, and that's where they, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, good chat. Um, all right, we might leave it there. We will continue this. Hopefully... Um, you know, everyone's still good. Hopefully, I didn't upset a lot of people with uh, my words to John. No, our listeners. Some people go, "Oh, skin. Glenn's a bit harsh on John." <laughs> I don't feel that way. And it's only because we know each other. It's like you pick on people that you like and your friends, don't you? To backhand a compliment. Is it? Don't know what it is. Yeah. Anyway, was, uh, but um, if you are seriously like, if you do love property and you do want to learn more about it, we'll put a link in the show notes to John's um, investment, uh, what is it? Cate- Online academy. academy. Yeah. Because the, f- the whole thing is, it's okay, and this kind of goes back to liquidity point four of mine. <laughs> it's harder to undo a property mistake than it is to undo a share investing mistake. It is. Yeah. And it'll cost you more. So that's why you've got to line your ducks up and make sure that your strategy is nailed. Mm. Did you um, did you do debating at school? No. Yeah, probably should have. I wish I did. Mm. I mean, our opening comments were pretty fluffy because we didn't mm. prep them, but mm. um, I would like to do debating. Yeah. I think with practice, I might be able to be okay. Yeah. No, you're good. Thanks, John. <laughs> Thanks for being my punching bag. <laughs> All right, friends. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.